Hello and welcome to another edition of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. This is your host, John Jance. My guest today is Guy Kawasaki. Uh, I think maybe this is his second or third uh, appearance here on the show. He is the co-founder of Alltop.com, an online magazine rack of popular topics on the web. I've written about them numerous times. Also the founder, founding partner at Garage Technology Ventures. Uh, he was previously the chief evangelist of Apple, and he is the author of 10 books, including Enchantment, The Art of Changing Hearts, Minds, and Actions. That's his newest one. So, Guy, thanks for joining me. Sure. Thank you. So, I guess in the context of business, uh, because, you know, Disney Disney spent a lot of time talking about enchantment. Um, in, the con- in the context <laughs> the of bi- yeah, in the, in the context of business, what, what do we mean by enchantment? Well, I, I think enchantment is, it is sort of, influence on steroids and persuasion on steroids that when you influence someone or customer or you persuade a customer it's usually a transaction you know you you persuade someone to buy your personal computer on the other hand when you enchant people it's this next level where it's beyond a transaction beyond buying your laptop uh, and it goes to things like a more permanent relationship a more delightful and delighted relationship. Uh, A good difference would be that I think Apple has enchanted millions of people. And these millions of people, they buy Macintoshes, they buy iPods, iPads, iPhones. They stand in line for 24 hours in advance to get something. And, you know, I, I don't know any other computer company where something like that is happening. So Apple has clearly enchanted its customers Whereas most computer companies have persuaded or influences uh, influenced their customers. Oh gosh, I, th- I forgot to give you the warning. I was going to try to go an entire twenty minutes without bringing Apple into the conversation. Oh well, that, <laughs> we we got twenty seconds into it. Yeah. <laughs> so you you talk about um, this idea of influencing people, um, you know, which sometimes has a negative connotation, right? So um, the difference here is that there is a, I think I'm going to read your quote, while maintaining the highest standards of ethics. I mean, is that, you know, is that, do those two things conflict? (laughs) (laughs) For most people, they do. Now, for me, the, the test is that if you want to enchant a person that presumes a long term relationship, and if you want a long-term relationship, you can't be, you know, buffaloing them into doing something that's not good for them. So by definition, if you've enchanted someone, it means that you've done something that is good for them and hopefully also good for you. So it's a win-win. Um, you know, very few win-lose relationships are enchanting, if you know what I mean. So I, I think by definition that if you've enchanted someone – it is ethical. Um, now, there are, there's also a chapter at the end of the book that explains how to resist enchantment, uh, because there may be some people who are trying to enchant you that is not uh, that are not trying to do what's best for you. So I understand it is it is a weapon. Uh, it can be used, uh, you know, for good purposes or bad. But that's why I have a chapter about how to resist it. But truly, enchantment done well for the long term is mutually beneficial. I um, 
was so thrilled when I read this. I uh, have been saying for 10 years the definition of marketing is getting someone who has a need to know, like, and trust you. And uh, so I was thrilled when I read that, you know, the pillars of <laughs> enchantment are, you know, <laughs> likability, uh, trustworthiness, and then this idea of, of having a, a great cause. And, and so, I mean, kind of talk a little bit about that idea I mean, is that i mean is that really you know that's the core of building a business these days period Uh, i I think well yeah you know lots of people ask me because of my evangelist background you know what's it take to be a great evangelist and the answer is called guy's golden touch now guy's golden touch is not whatever i touch turns to gold because lord knows that's not true guy's golden touch is whatever is gold guy touches so the three keys of enchantment or evangelism is that you have to be likable because, you know, think about it. Has anyone that you didn't like ever enchanted you? Probably not. So you need to be likable. The second thing you need to do is be trustworthy because people can like a person but not trust them. You know, you can like a movie star but not trust them. So then there's trustability. And then the or trustworthiness. The third level is that you have a great product. This is guy's golden touch theory. So if you have a great product and you're a likable and trustworthy person, uh, that's you know ninety percent of the battle. Yeah, and you know I, I I know in my own experience there are companies and they typically are kind of small you know family run businesses or something. And I just really like the people, but they keep screwing it up. You know every time I go right. And so I so I want to like them, but I don't trust them right. And and I yeah. think that that's probably you know how you could apply that you know to the to the coffee shop you know or the or the restaurant. I mean I think that yeah. that's you know that's part of the gig. Yeah. Um, this idea of likability, the, uh, we talked a little off the air about, you know, Dale Carnegie's How to Win Friends and Influence People. And you, you really, there are, are, you know, certainly chapters uh, that talk about some of the very things that I think uh, people were introduced to in that book. The idea of, of really, you know, it does matter how you dress, how you approach people, how you look, how you smile. And, and uh, how you, you shake know, hands. How you shake hands, yeah. So, <laughs> yes. so those all, um, well, first off. I'd love it if you'd kind of talk about that, you know, how to be more likable. Let's let's start there. Well, uh, you know, some people may find this a little goofy, but uh, those are the people who aren't enchanting people, <laughs> frankly. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> well, the start is, you know, think about when someone is, walks into a room when you first meet them. Um, and I'm in the venture capital business, and i got to tell you, like most decisions are made in the first 30 seconds. You may think you have one hour, but 59 minutes of it is wasted. Um, people people make this very quick decision, and I, and I think that's in our DNA, you know, because if you're two cavemen and you see another caveman, and, you, you know, you got to make a decision. Is this caveman trying to eat me, or is this caveman going to be my buddy? So you need to make that decision. So going back or going back to likability, I think the first thing is you have to have a great smile. And one of the great smiles in all of social media is Marie Smith. So in my like a, my enchantment speech, I use a picture of her and uh, as an example of a great likable person. And uh, the funny story is I, I called her up. I said, you know, Marie, I have good news for you and bad news for you. The good news is you're going to be in all my speeches as an example of a likable person. The bad news is um, part of the reason why I'm putting you in the speech is because you have great crow's feet. And crow's feet is the mark of a great smile because there's 
sort of two kinds of smile. One is the Pan Am smile, where you know the flight attendant isn't that happy to see you. And the second smile is this Duchenne smile, where you make crow's feet with your eyes. That's the true enthusiastic smile. So step one is this Marie Smith smile. Uh, step two is how you dress. And there are three levels of dress. You can dress better than your audience, and your audience might take it as, you know, this person is trying to show that he or she is richer, better taste, you know, better clothes. Uh, so that's not a good attitude. You can dress less than your audience, and I think the audience will then come to the conclusion that this person is trying to show that he or she can do whatever he wants. You know, we're all dressed up, but he's wearing jeans and a T-shirt because he's trying to show that, you know, he's got more power than us somehow. So that's not good. So my theory is you should dress equal to your audience. And if they're in a coat and tie, you dress in a coat and tie. And if they're in jeans and T-shirt, you go in jeans and T-shirt. Um, so that's the second point. And the third point is a great handshake. You know, the University of Manchester actually provided a mathematical formula for the perfect handshake, which is in the book. But the gist of it is you know, not too long a handshake, not too firm, but not squishy. You want a cool, dry, smooth hand, uh, eye contact. Uh, you know, I have the formula for you. So those are the sort of initial impressions and initial factors that are important for you. And uh, if you start with that, you're 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 on your way to being a likable person. Well, I'm, I can I see lots of listeners uh, headed to the mirror right now to, <laughs> you know, to either check yeah, out their smile or their crow's feet, one or the other. Well, well look at the good news. I mean, Botox is out and plastic <laughs> surgery is out. Just there, there you, you save right. money That's reading right. my book. <laughs> That's right. Absolutely. Well, you know, it kind of um, reminds me of the, the idea of, and, and I think, you know, a good sales course, you know, that has some of this, the idea of kind of modeling your you know your client or your prospect or you know whoever it is you're trying to influence the idea that that if they're very casual you're very casual if their language is and and their posture is very formal you know you model that as well right so i think that i think great advice so moving on to trust um you know that's one of those that everybody's talking about it right you know you got to be trustworthy um uh, you know it's one of those that's that's delivered through your actions and not your words, I, I suspect. And, and so what, what are some of the, uh, the, the things or the actions that you recommend for building trustworthiness? Well, the start of trustworthiness is that you have to trust others first. So many people might think this is a chicken and the egg question, right? Which comes first? Do I trust people? They trust me or, um, I trust the, or, they trust me, so I trust them. And I'll tell you, there is a definite order to this. And the order is, you have to trust people first before they trust you. And if you can't deal with that, you know, stay on the porch. Um, an example of this is Zappos. That, you know, Zappos took the first step, right? Zappos said, we trust you. We will pay shipping both ways if you don't like our shoes. They, they didn't say, you know, now that we're a big, successful company, finally we can put in this trust, trusting policy. That policy started on day one. So that's the start. You have to put it in your mind. If you want to be trusted, you need to trust first. The second thing is, uh, in this day and, and time, you need to disclose your interests. You know, w- what is the conflict? Is there any conflict? Let's just be upfront. Now, uh, some people might say, well, it's people knew what the relationship was, they would trust me less or whatever. But my theory is that, you know, in these days, 
it's all going to come out. There are no secrets. And so it's, it's better to be up front and, and take your lumps and, you know, take the challenges up front than to try to try to eke out a beachhead and, you know, deal with it later because most of the time you won't deal with it or it'll come up and it'll blow everything up. Uh, a third big quality of trustworthiness is to be uh, in the dichotomy of two kinds of people in the world. There are bakers and there are eaters. And the way an eater works is there is a pie and you eat as much of the pie as possible. The baker has a very different attitude. The baker says, let's make a bigger pie. So rather than trying to fight for a larger percentage of an existing limited pie, the baker says, let's just build a bigger pie and all of us will eat more. And that builds a great reputation for trustworthiness. Yeah, and I, and I think you, when you talk about that extending trust, I mean, I think the other thing that it does too is, I mean, if you're w using your Zappos example, if you're willing to do that and show me that you're willing, then you must trust what you're doing has some value. And, yes. and you know, and I think that it sends that very strong message as well. Yeah, that you, you're willing to stand behind your product, right? right? I mean, exactly. Uh, because if Zappos were shipping crap, they yeah, they'd go out of business. They wouldn't last very that. long. Right, right, exactly. Yeah. Right. Yes. So, um. You, we've talked about this before, and you uh, brought it back in this chapter again, and or in this book again, and, and as a chapter heading, I'm thinking that's uh, don't use money. Um, I, I'm sure that people would love to hear from you how they can build their business and enchant people without spending any money. This halftime break is brought to you by Constant Contact. Constant Contact helps small businesses and nonprofits build great customer relationships with email marketing, event marketing, and online surveys. Visit them today at constantcontact.com and sign up for your free 60-day trial. Well, I, <laughs> I didn't say that. <laughs> You're trying to see if I'm awake. Uh, but what, I'm, what I mean there is that Many people think, well, the way I'll get loyalty from my customers and I'll get them to be my evangelists and my, you know, people who will enchant people for me is to pay them off, to give them a commission, an affiliate fee, a piece of the action, et cetera, et cetera. And, and the thinking is that, well, you know, the, the true way to a person's heart is through their wallet. So if you help me get business, I'll give you a piece of the action. And I question that. I think that um, when people evangelize something, if Apple were to say to those people, well, I'll tell you what, you evangelize people on using a Macintosh, iPad, iPhone, iPod, then we'll give you a cut of the action. We'll give you a piece of the action. You sell an iPhone, we'll give you, you know, five bucks affiliate fee. And that would change the entire relationship. Um, those people who are the evangelists, first of all, they would question themselves. They would say, am I telling people to use this product because it's the best product or because I'm getting paid off? And in the recipient's mind, the recipient's going to be asking, you know, am I, am I getting this evangelism? Am I getting this, 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 you know, trying to be an enchanting job because I truly believe in the product or because I'm making money. And so on both sides, the enchanter and the enchantee, introducing money into the equation just changes everything. Now, I'm not saying that there's no affiliate fee and no commission program that'll work. 
But I am saying that if you believe that people will support your product, for the primary reason of money, I think that's a big mistake. Yeah, well, you know, I recently wrote a book on referrals, and, and so certainly, you know, that idea of paying referral fees and whatnot is mm-hmm. one that I get asked all the time. And, and you know, you're you're right. I, th- I think that the motivation you want is a social one um, yeah. and, and not a financial one because for the very reasons you, you said. And, and I even, you know, I've, I've even run across people in working with small businesses where people were sort of, even offended by the idea that you would offer them money yep. to do something that they are going to do for the right yep. reasons. <laughs> yep. So, so yep. I, think, I think it's a great point. Um, so, so I don't need to pay you for this uh, podcast, right? <laughs> no, 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 no. Just you, you paid me already when we had dinner in Las Vegas, uh, that, uh, during CES last year, I, I, I I'm still, uh, you know, reeling from that, uh, show of, uh, you know, of food. I don't know if you remember that. Was that the Roy's? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. No, that was that was a lovely dinner. So that that uh, <laughs> was, and you know what? Just to, just you know, so you know the whole story. Um, Roy Yamaguchi is this world famous chef from Hawaii, and I'm from Hawaii. Right. So uh, he, he, let's see, he found out I was in Las Vegas, and he asked me if I wanted to eat at his Las Vegas restaurant. And not being a fool, I of course said yes. So just so you know, John, so you're not feeling all guilty, he paid for that dinner. Yeah, that yeah. dinner was free. Yeah. So you owe Roy, not me. <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, it, it was your, it was your inc- including me, though, that, that, that uh, you know, that made it happen. But, uh, but nonetheless, it, it was a good time. It so, was a good yeah. time. So, um, you know, a lot of the things that – We've talked about the likability, trustability. I mean, and especially when you talk about handshakes and smiles and, you know, maybe we'd even go a step farther and say hugs, you know. I mean, these are all really, really human interaction things. And um, the fact of the matter is more and more today um, we are interacting with machines and technology. And so, you know, how would you apply enchantment in a world where maybe I don't very often get to see that person? Yeah, you know, I think that's a cop-out um, yes. that – that technology has made enchantment, if you will, easier, I think. Um, you, you know, yes, I understand this, this theory about we'll really get together personally and we'll spend hours walking on beaches together, gazing into each other's eyes and, you know, having these long, in-depth, human, social, all the warm and fuzzy stuff. But, but I got to tell you that um, at the end of the day, I think technology makes uh, enchantment and it makes personal interactions greater, not less. Because I know that I have relationships with people around the world I would never have, never. And when I go to Istanbul or when I go to Amsterdam or when I go anywhere uh, because of Twitter and Facebook, I have people that, you know, that I can meet, that I can greet, that I can see that I would have never had. And uh, between email and Facebook and Twitter, it's changed my life. I have a lot, I have, you know, 100x more friends than I would. So now you might say, well, the, you know, you have 100x more friends, but they're 100th of the depth. But I, I would disagree with that. Um, I think that, you know, in my life, there are about five or six people that really count. 
I'm married to one. I fathered four, so that's five. And there's one more, some best friend, a six. You know, call it ten. Let's be optimistic, right? <laughs> right? So I have ten really intimate, close friends, you know, whatever. I would travel with. I would do whatever. I'd lay my life down for them, right? And let's just be honest. That's about the limit I can handle. And then I have, you know, this this hundreds, if not thousands of other quote-unquote friends because of technology, and my life is richer for that, not poorer. Yeah, I, I think it still comes down to the fact that, you know, yes, you have access to people, you can meet people, but, you know, the engagement and the depth of the relationship, that's still going to come down to when you were in Istanbul and you put on that silly fez, you know, with, a, you know, <laughs> with, with, with your friends over there, you know, I mean, you, that's, you know, then that started the sort of deeper relationship there. And I mean, that's still, that, that stuff never changes, right? Right. You know, um, so but, let's... But I'll tell you, you know, something like, um, I think... An asshole with technology is still an asshole. Right, right, okay? right, 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 right. They just have access to access to pissing off more people. Right. So, <laughs> it, you know, let, let's start with the person and don't blame the technology because yep. an asshole with technology is still not going to be a good guy. Yeah, right. right. As, as we can point to some examples. Right. Well, maybe you can. I, I certainly can't, but... Uh, <laughs> um, so let, let's stay on this technology theme because you, you spend two entire chapters on what I think is a really good distinction uh, about the use of technology and especially when people in social media, you know, get all, although there's less and less of them getting all uptight about it, but uh, the, the yeah. idea of pushing and pulling um, yes. engagement. And, and I wonder if you could kind of set the table for what each of those is and, and how it plays a role in. in sure. So I think there's fundamentally two kinds of technology. Um, one is push technology. And by push technology, you're sending stuff out. I mean, it is an outward focus, uh, duh, pushing kind of thing. And it's important to understand that if that's, that's, that's Twitter in a sense, right? Because you're pushing out tweets, you're pushing out tweets, and that's how it goes. On the other hand, the opposite is pull technology, where you want to suck people into your website, to your Facebook page, to your LinkedIn page, to your YouTube channel. And that's a very different thing. And so that's why there's two chapters. There's one on how to use push technology, which I would include PowerPoint and email and Twitter, and pull technology, which would be websites, blogs, Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube. And the two take very different orientations. Um, it's not that one is better than the other. It's just both are necessary if you truly want to use all the tools that are available. Yeah, I, I mean, in fact, I think it's the people that truly get it understand that it's kind of the careful blending of both of yes. those that you need to have because you people, let's face it, they're not going to know who you are maybe if you're not pushing stuff out, but then you've got to have something that makes you likable and trustable when they get there. Right, yeah. right. And I think that that's, you know, I think that's the dance, you know, of this. And, and you've got to be, you know, constantly doing both of them. I try. <laughs> so so what are a couple of, I, I know that we've already touched on Apple and Zappos. So, you you know, we, we want to take those off the list necessarily. Okay. But, um, maybe let's end on uh, a couple other examples of organizations, regardless of size, that, that you think are doing the things in this book pretty well. Well, uh, can I give you some examples of yeah, things? Yeah, yeah, perfect. Yeah. Okay. So I, I think that in, as far as people, uh, who are enchanting people, mm. 
I would say that Queen Latifah is one. I just adore her whole sort of personal, you know, aura. Uh, very enchanting person. For a male, I would say Mike Rowe. I love Dirty Jobs. And and I think the, the quality that makes him enchanting on Dirty Jobs is that, you know, he he... He bellies up to the bar. He, he, you know, he he makes it work, right? He'll go in the sewer with you yes. and dig out the crap, right? Yes, yes. And I find that to be <laughs> very enchanting. Um, as far as some things that are enchanting, I think like a '64 and a half, '65 Mustang is a very enchanting car. Um, and and so it's that kind of thing. It's it's you know it's those kind of things that just. They just make you smile, right? I mean, they they just do, uh, and and so I, I'm I'm trying to help people like look at that. I, I would say, you're going back to the Fez example, I've been all over the world, and I think probably Istanbul is the most enchanting city I've been to. You know, Paris may be the most romantic, but Istanbul, there's something magical about Istanbul that. Uh, it's such a blend of east and west, and the mosques are just amazing, and the the Grand Bazaar, where you can like spend days in that bazaar. It's just like a really, really enchanting city. So these are some examples that you know I put on the table, and yeah. and uh, I'd like people to you know investigate and see that that, that these things. Uh, are really cool. Yeah, and then of course the challenge is for everyone is to say, okay, the the look and the feel and the smell and the aura, you know, of all of those things, yeah. you know, how do I bring that into, you know, Joe's plumbing? Well, uh for Joe's plumbing <laughs> uh first pull up your pants. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, and actually I think sometimes the bar is even lower, you know, than that, you know. <laughs> not, not, not to go too uh, too off uh, on, on the pants thing, but I mean the pri- the fact of the matter is no plumbers are enchanting anyone. So you know if you just do something well, that surprises John, John. that surprises me, you know maybe yeah yeah I, I don't mean none are. I'm just saying yeah. that so few are that that uh, that if you just do something yeah that I don't expect that might be pretty enchanting. Well, I mean let's face it, you know going back to trustworthiness. If if you had a plumber who showed up when he said he would or she would let's not be sexist mm-hmm. but showed up when he or say he or she said they would who was you know relatively clean who didn't try to rip you off and tell you you need a whole new faucet when you need a washer right, right? right. um and who properly build you and you know all this kind of stuff let me that would be enchanting i mean you know, you can apply those things to almost any service business, yep. and it's it's not about you know that it's not necessarily price too, right? Oh, no. uh, I would. In fact, in fact, I think price when when you enchant, price goes out the door, out the window, as, yeah. or way down the list as a consideration, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, price price is the friend of margin, man. Yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. <laughs> So yeah, well, look at Apple. I mean, you know, you don't buy an iPhone because it's the cheapest phone. 
you sure as hell don't buy it because you're getting the best carrier, although that's changing right now. Oh, boy, we just, um, we're going to go down a rat hole now, aren't we? Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> I, any chance to. But, you know, I have a love-hate relationship with Apple. I mean, I, yeah, I, yeah. You know, I'm an Apple fanboy, but I call a spade a spade. It's like right now, I think that the optimal iPhone is two. You need Verizon for inside the U.S., and you need uh, AT&T for outside the U.S. So, you know, if you're paranoid, you say uh, that was the plan. You know, they they purposely got the suckiest U.S. carrier (laughs) so that you'd have to buy a second phone. But then the second phone, Verizon, you can't use it in Europe and Canada and Asia, so you you still need the AT&T phone. So Steve Jobs is so clever, he makes you buy two iPhones. Well, I'm going to outsmart him. I'm going to stay on AT&T because everybody's going to bail, and then my service is going to be great. Yeah. That's my theory. Yeah. That's my theory. Uh, that's not a bad theory. <laughs> I Seriously, that's not a bad theory. So so uh, you keep testing it out. Um, well, you, you know what's interesting is, um, and, and I think that, you know, this this good good, good way to end uh, this, this conversation is that one of the things that happens when you do enchant is that uh, that love-hate relationship you talk about, it's because you have heightened expectations. Yes. I mean, and, and I think that that's, a, that's maybe a good measure. When people are disappointed in you, uh, that's a whole lot better than, than when they just don't care about you. Well, you know, uh, I, I grew up, I really made my bones in the jewelry business, not the technology business. Mm. I work for a jewelry manufacturer. And as a jewelry manufacturer, it's it's... It's, that's a really personal business. I mean, because you don't really know if it's 18 karat gold, and you yeah, don't right, really right. know <laughs> how much the diamond weighs, and you know, all that kind of stuff. It's really built on trust. And manufacturing is a difficult process. Um, you know, the technology really isn't there in that business. So you have to cast it, and you have to set it, and you have to polish it. And lots of stuff goes wrong in manufacturing jewelry. And my boss once told me, because we had a really hot line for a while, and so our customers used to just complain because it took like 10 weeks to get their order. And if you place an order in August and you're trying to make the Christmas season, you know, 10-week delivery, it's not what you would call optimal. And I'll never forget, he once told me, you know, guy, as long as they're complaining, you still got them as a customer. It's when you don't hear anymore, that's when you should worry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A lot of people say that the opposite of, uh, of love is hate, but it's, it's indifference. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. No question. True. So right. listen, one more thing. Yeah. You know, your listenership, um, there's an enchantment quiz All right. called the GREAT test. And the GREAT test, GREAT stands for Guys Realistic Enchantment Aptitude Test. Mm-hmm. So in case you think you don't need this book, you should go to the Facebook uh, fan page for Enchantment, which is just Enchantment, and you can take the GREAT test, and then you can truly find out if you need this book. Awesome. Guy, always great to uh, catch up with you. And, Thank you, John. Uh, hopefully bump into you out there uh, out there on the road sometime soon. We'll, we'll go to Roy's again and bill it to him. <laughs> I, I, like, I like your thinking. Maybe we'll, let, let, me, let me choose the wine this time, too. Okay. okay. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Thank you, John. Take care. <laughs>